Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Anything interesting go down in the last few days? Uh, you know, there's a couple things. There's a little bit of buzz out there, says the net. <laughs> the words are about to be spoken. This is the extreme life of Matt Hardy, presented to you exclusively by Podcast Heat and AdFreeShows.com. I, of course, am John Albert, joined by the broken one, woken one, spoken one, and on this episode, the knowledgeable one, Mr. Matt Hardy. Uh, Matt Hardy, this was supposed to be an episode about our Olympic hero, Kurt Angle. We it's will true. Do it. It's damn true. It is damn true. Sometimes you have to and pivot. Because we have intensity, integrity, and intelligence, we are going to make a pivot on this particular week's episode. I promise everyone we will be doing a Kurt Angle episode in the near future because I love Kurt. He's one of my all-time favorites, and I'm sure you will have some great anecdotes about Kurt. But instead, this episode of The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy will be about the state of wrestling, specifically WWE and AEW. Boy, howdy, pal. What a week. What a week. To begin with, John, let me ask, how much sleep did you get last night? Uh, 24-7, the thunder will roll, Matt Hardy. That is all I have to say to you. Uh, it has been nonstop. As we record this, it is Wednesday. This is going to be an early drop episode just because there's a chance that, Matt, if you and I waited until Friday to drop this episode as we normally do, things could change dramatically. It could quickly become outdated, yeah. We're, we're very much on the pulse of current wrestling news right now. Yes, and one of my favorite aspects of doing a podcast with you, Matt, is that you are not afraid to discuss the current happenings across the pro wrestling spectrum. So we are going to really take a deep dive into the events that have happened in the past week, things that sounded like they were going to happen, and what are the ramifications across the sphere, not just in WWE, but in AEW and to other promotions and wrestlers and everything in between. But first off, I ask you, how are you, my friend? I know you've been doing a lot of cross-country travel been a busy time with you and ethan page what's the latest uh yeah this is the third week straight out on the, the west coast so uh, it's been long flights you know so now we're i guess we're, we're kind of feeling what the young bucks feel every week especially when we were uh doing the pandemic era in jacksonville every single week they had to make that cross-country flight so it, it, it's been good and actually i'm half-assed getting along with ethan page now I'm, I'm i've decided to make it work and uh we've been great as a trios unit and We've got a lot of great feedback to the uh, to the entertainment value of the segments we've had. And I think Isaiah he'll he'll come along in, in due time as well. You had a belated boxing day gift 
For yeah, you. yeah. I mean, you know, I know Boxing Day is really big to him. So I had a belated Boxing Day gift. I gave him a pair of tights, and we all wore green. And uh, spoiler, uh, I told everybody to bring red today. I'm going to break out the old red Matitude pants. The, uh, the the pants that I wrestled against Rey Mysterio at WrestleMania 19. In. Okay. Okay. You're going to wear the exact same pair? Yeah, the exact same pair, yes. Very cool. Very I wore cool. the uh, exact same green pair that I had that I rocked as a Cincy of Matitude uh, last Monday on Elevation. Mm. Okay, I like that. I like that. Uh, I enjoyed his rendition of the Hardy Boy theme. As Matt Menard said, he knew all the lyrics. Yeah, yeah, he, he knew knew all the words, right? And I think he even added some extra words, ironically. <laughs> uh, he, he was pretty into it, and he seemed to be having a good time, and, you know, that that's great. I, uh, as uh, our dear friend Vince McMahon, which I would imagine we'll mention a time or two in, in this uh, episode, he put smiles on faces. <laughs> <laughs> Real talk here. Let's let's step outside of the box. Right. What has working with Ethan Page, the man, been like for you? What have you learned about him throughout the process of this story? Uh, it's been enjoyable working with him. Uh, I, I remember you told me you said his mind and his passion for wrestling reminds you a lot of mine. And I, I can't disagree with that. I, I think that's a very true statement. And like I said, you know, now that I'm kind of half-ass getting along with him, uh, I, I've been kind of enjoying working with him. Yeah. He's a, he's a great talent and he's a, I mean, he is a great pro wrestler too. He really is. And he, he's somebody that I think can be a pretty major player in AEW, and especially maybe you can help him get there, Matt. Maybe he should he should trust the sensei of Mattitude a little more. He should absolutely trust the sensei of Mattitude. You know, uh, we maybe we're maybe me and him should just branch out and dominate the tag team division. Maybe that's something that can happen. Okay, just just a thought. And hey, he's he's almost got the juke down. He's uh, he's gonna work it out to get it on. He's doing a two handed juke at the same time. I, what is the proper way to juke from all your years of following your brother doing it? Can you give us well, a little you, you do one hand at a time, but a lot of time people get so excited. They're actually doing the juke. They go ahead and throw two hands up. Oh my God, I'm doing it. I can't believe it. I love doing the juke. Yes. Juke, 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 juke. So sometimes people get a little excited. They get a little worked up. It's an exhilarating thing to do when you're out there in front of the crowd. They're doing the juke at bar mitzvahs these days. <laughs> it's pretty crazy, honestly. But uh, listen, th there's a lot of money to be made at some point where maybe you can do an official video on how to juke properly. Uh, <laughs> I, I think you should teach Ethan Page out of the goodness of your heart. Say, hey, man, I appreciate you trying, but maybe I'll maybe I'll get him on FaceTime with Jeff and they can. They yeah, can yeah, exactly. Jeff is the, the creator and master of the juke. Yeah, brother, brother Nero might be able to help him out just a little bit there. Uh, yeah, L.A. man, big, big time venue over there in for AEW, we talked a little bit about the, the Kia Forum. Kia Forum, big time venue for you guys. Lots going on AEW, which we are going to get into over the course of this episode here. Uh, it's been an insane week. A truly insane week. It's been I, insane 24 hours. In beyond insane 24 hours. I can't believe after how big of a news year 2022 was for pro wrestling that we are 11 days into 2023. 2023 said, hold my beer. <laughs> that it did. It said, you guys are a bunch of FIs if you think that we can't be bigger than 2022. Because Let's go. Let's do it. Matt Hardy. It is the second episode of 2023 for the extreme life of Matt Hardy. Without further ado, hit us with that Matt fact. Matt fact 
Matt eats the nutritional skin of baked potatoes. That is a very controversial take. There are some people who say hell no to eating the skin on the potato. Is that from watching Ultimate Warrior stash a bunch of potatoes in his backpack? <laughs> no, it's, no, it's not. It's probably predated before then. Especially if you're out and there's a nice baked potato cooked up and it has like seasoning and a little salt on the skin. The skin is very healthy. It's full of very good fiber and also great antioxidants. So I, I've known that a long time ago and I actually enjoy the taste of it. And it freaks my wife out whenever I eat it. So I, I like, I actually... Last week on the loop, I stopped as I was driving to Portland and out back and ate and I was eating the skin and I made a video specifically just to send to her. Like, remember, you know, if you're eating a baked potato, you should eat the skin. It's very nutritional. It's got a lot of good things in it for you. Um, and uh, probably whenever I end up posting this mad fact, I'll probably quote tweet it with that video of me eating that baked potato and reminding my wife to eat the nutritional skin of the baked potatoes. Nobody got in a fist fight outside of the outback near a cliff uh not, not this time we were uh you know it was just in the in the beautiful land of it was actually washington state where i was probably right outside of tacoma was where i was eating so there was no cliff and there was no bear wolf and there was no vampire so it was okay last time i was in this hotel is when we had the vampire on the pod actually too i remember that i'm in a very different uh different style room but this is this is where we did the pod with gang girl mm -hmm. and for the story about the Outback or for that episode with Gangrel, which features, by the way, my absolute favorite moment in the history of this podcast involving your wife specifically, uh, go check out the archive, extremehardy.com. Uh, that is a moment that's still possible. You posted that to Twitter the other day. Uh, just unbelievable timing from Rebby Hardy there. Uh, highlight of the year. Yeah, it was in my highlight of the year thread. <laughs> Certainly was. All right, Matt. Where do you want to start? You you drive the ship here. Where would you like to start this conversation about the state of WWE and AEW and wrestling as a whole? Well, first and foremost, I just want to say since we recorded our last pod, it was after we had recorded, we heard all this Vince McMahon insanity, right? And now Vince McMahon is back and he is the head. He is sitting as the head of the table of WWE currently. And we also have Stephanie gone. So there's obviously been a big shakeup. There's a lot of sales, rumors, and innuendo going around. And if you ask me more than anything, who benefits from all this? I would say AEW. So I'm very happy to be at AEW currently right now. AEW has been producing great content, I think. And one thing I love about it, at WWE, they're playing Games of Thrones. It's like in and out, who can retain the power and who can backstab or who can get someone else out or how can I get back in, whatever it may be. Here, fortunately, it is just TK sitting in the, uh, the Iron Throne. Why do you think AEW benefits from all of this, all these moving pieces going on in WWE? Because in chaos, there is opportunity. I mean, WWE for many, many years has been the leader in pro wrestling and sports entertainment. But now, I mean, now it's really a, in a chaotic state. I mean, it was very controversial whenever Vince ended up leaving, you know, some of the accusations against him and whatnot. And I don't know, considering how much pro wrestling has started to, begin mirroring society, which is a good thing that it has. It's no longer the Wild West. It is starting to try and mirror society and run a parallel to how society is, be a little more moral. But like the Vince thing could end up being very controversial because there's a lot of skeletons in those closets. But now society is mirroring pro wrestling instead. And, and that's where things start to become a big problem. I mean, picture this Matt Hardy. Roman Reigns versus The Rock at WrestleMania. Who is the true head of the table they have their match Roman Reigns wins and then no chance in hell hits 
And Vince McMahon says, you think you're the head of the table. I'm the head of the table, pal. And all of a sudden, that's the, the emphatic reminder we have of who truly runs the show. It has been that. When I mean this so genuinely as someone who has covered the NFL playoffs, the NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball, NASCAR, the NHL, college football, college basketball, bowl games, everything, murders. I've covered everything. Nice. <laughs> Court cases. I get very grim right there. Murder. Yeah, I'm just it's, it's, yeah, it's, I, I get it, I get the it. breadth of things I have covered. Yes. This has been the most insane up and down period of news that I have ever been exposed to mm-hmm. in such a short period of time. I I I can't believe we are now, as we sit here recording this on Wednesday, January eleventh. I can't believe we are where we are now compared to where we were a week and a half ago. Yeah. I mean, it's been a dramatic, a dramatic change. Yeah. Vince McMahon, let's start there. There were reports about two and a half, three weeks ago, specifically from the wall street journal that he was going to potentially try to wedge his way back into the fold here. Mm -hmm. As we know, he's been gone from the company had been gone from the company since the summer. You and I, when that stuff happened, because you and I talk every day, all day long. When, <laughs> when, when, when this stuff, that first report happened, you and I were talking and you asked me, you said, do you think this is really something that could like actually happen? <laughs> and I, I was talking to people and I'll never forget. They, they said four out of 10 chance. That was from someone that I trusted. Four out of 10. Okay. When the report... When the report came out last week that he was actively going to pursue this, they said eight out of 10. And then Friday morning, they go 10 out of 10. We see Vince McMahon work his way back into the fold as the executive chair of WWE in a filing that came out last Friday. It started with an initial letter to the WWE board on December 20th. And on December 20th, Matt, he said that, He wanted to get back into the fold on the board of directors because he believed that they were in a position to either explore an acquisition, a sale, Mm -hmm. or for negotiation of media rights. And the only way that they could ensure it would be done in the best financial manner would be if the majority shareholder, a.k.a. him, was involved in the actual transaction. Yeah, he said the OG has got to be sitting in the Iron Throne if you want this to work, the OG. Exactly. Seven days later, the board of directors, the WWE board of directors, which at the time, by the way, had Nick Khan and Stephanie McMahon as co-CEOs and Paul Levesque, Triple H, as the chief content officer sitting on the board of directors, responded to his letter, Vince McMahon, pronouns pal, and said that while we welcome your participation in any potential transaction or acquisition, we believe unanimously at this moment in time your re-inclusion on the board would not be beneficial. And they cited potential non-public information while the man is under federal investigation as to their reason why. To which Vince then responded on New Year's Eve, because we can have no peace on the holidays, Matt Hardy, (laughs) that he was disappointed to hear that. And quite frankly, without him, there would be no sale there would be no media rights acquisition. 
because he said as the majority shareholder, he would not approve of anything. What were your initial reactions to all of that drama as that unfolded? Uh, I mean, to begin with, it's pretty amazing how Vince kind of has them backed into a corner. You know, obviously still being the majority shareholder, he kind of runs the show. He kind of runs shit still. You know, so I know there was a while back where I don't know how this was released, if it was like some statement Vince made or but he said he had intentions of coming back and running the company because he'd been given bad advice. Is it correct? That was the Wall Street Journal report yes. a few weeks ago. That's what mm-hmm. it was. Uh, said he had been given some bad advice from, from some people he, he trusted. And, and knowing Vince, I mean, he's a pretty vindictive guy, I feel like. If, if, if he feels like someone intentionally tried to do something to push him out or give him advice that was maybe misleading, that, you know, they were just trying to, like, you know, push him off to the side, I, I feel like he's going to take that seriously and he's going to he's gonna return with a vengeance. Boy, that's uh, that's somewhat telling <laughs> I mean, I mean, dude, let's talk i mean i've told stories on here uh vince says you can't let people see you when you're weak you know uh your primal instincts tell you that you you need to be the strongest you need to be the top of the food chain you know you need to be an alpha male damn it this man's a vegan oh my god you know he's not he's not at the top of the food chain he's not an alpha male he doesn't have a primal instinct. I mean, all those things are very real to Vince, and that's how he lives his life. You know, when he would, when he actually got hurt, that double quad deal, you know, he wouldn't let people see him. You know, so like, if he made that statement, he thought he was led astray. I feel like he's coming back with a, with a vengeance, man. Motivated and, and, and like with an intent to either take over the company and run it again as he did because he promised he'd run WWE till he died several times over or to either come back and sell it for like one last big payday, almost as like a, see, I told you I'm the man. I will always sit on the Aaron throne. Well, knowing Vince the way you do, do you think that it ate at him that he faced the possibility that he wasn't going to be able to write the final chapter of his story? Of course. Yes, Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I feel like there was a point where he did what he had to do for the image of the company. He had to step aside. He had to take care of these things, deal with them, whatever it may be, when he had all these you know, lawsuits and claims against him. Uh, but, but I just know how he is. I'm sure it ate at him. And I'm sure that really set a fire inside of him, inside of his heart and soul to, like, come back even harder, come back in an even bigger way. Because that's just that's just how he is. He 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 he, he is an alpha male at his core and and he feels like this is a world he created and by god he's going to run it and he will control the destiny of it one way or the other sure so that all goes down and on on last friday when the filing is officially set in motion where uh, he can essentially force his way back in as the majority shareholder he says that he's bringing George Barrios and Michelle Wilson with him, who were formerly on the executive board with so him. Were they gone too? They, they've been gone from the company for some time. I thought so. They were both gone too, right? And he was actively bringing them back. Uh-huh. And they had been involved with the company at the higher level until Nick Khan came in. Right. So they they had been gone. Then they brought he brought them back. And and they were, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure how familiar you are with them, but 
I'm sure you're aware enough to know that they were incredibly important people in the company in terms of the hierarchy and the financial dealings of the company. So he brings them back. And in the process, three board members have to be removed. And Vince removes three board members. And at the same time, two others resign in the process because of what is happening. Keep in mind here, the board unanimously disapproved of Vince returning here. That that cannot be highlighted, underscored, deleted uh, enough. It was very, very critical to this story. Vince assured that it was not his intent for anything to change structurally with the company in terms of content. And that's that's kind of the golden goose, right, Matt? Like, everyone wants to know, sure. is, is creative going to change? Because everyone has seemingly been down with down the clown with this whole Paul Levesque hierarchy, if you will. Yeah, yes, from my, my friends there at WWE, they said it's been a overwhelmingly positive change. But tell and us they, a little more about that. Tell us a little more about that. What have you heard from your friends in WWE? You're still well connected with so many people there. What has the last few months been like? I mean, I mean, they just said you wouldn't believe how different it is. I said different, like in what capacity? So, I mean, you know, it's still the same WWE. Uh, you know, you still they want you to be at work on time. They want you to work hard. You know, it's still a pretty grueling schedule, so to say. You know, we, they still do the the wellness test. Uh, all of that is the same, but just the, the feeling of there's not as much intimidation. You're not walking on eggshells quite as much. It just you feel a lot more safe and sound being there currently. And it's just a much more laid back environment. That that's what I've heard overwhelmingly. Was that surprising to you, or with the people who were in charge, did that? Did that check out? That, that does kind of check out. I can definitely see it being a, a, a lot more different. You know, there, there was always, <clears throat> I feel like Vince wants people to fear him. He wants people to be intimidated by him. That, that's part of his magic in many, many ways. And there's a part of me that respects that because as a boss, you do have to be feared. You do have to be intimidated. You, you, you don't, you can't be afraid to like be the bad guy. If you have to stand up for a particular situation, which, you know, is, is wrong. You know, you have to shut shit down if you need to. And, and Vince was never afraid to do that. Sometimes he was over the top like that. You know what I mean? He was definitely extreme. But I mean, there, there's always going to be a part of me that respects that from Vince. And he's like, I built this shit and fucking I'm going to see it through. You know, mm-hmm. you can't agree with some of these allegations against him, these accusations, some of the things he allegedly did, obviously those things, you know, those things are definitely wrong, you know, but there, there's a part of Vince's drive and his passion to run pro, pro wrestling and to run this, you know, this, this global, huge wrestling promotion uh, that, that I do really admire. Mm-hmm. And there is a healthy medium too, between, of course, because you said like feared and respect and all that, like, I don't think a boss needs to quote unquote be feared per se, but everyone needs to know that the boss will lay down the law of the land if it is necessary to do so. A boss can't be someone that is easily walked over and try to please everybody because you're just not going to please everybody. That's going to be the nature. You could have a boss who 99% of your employees love, but there's still going to be 1% that are like, screw that guy. Screw that person. It's just the nature of the beast. So I do think there is a healthy medium to find there. And Vince is someone who, as we know, has taken things to an extreme over the years. But I, I understand your, your point of view in that. So Vince says that it is there is no intent for the, oper- the order of operations to change here in WWE. 
your opinion strictly. This, this podcast is about Matt Hardy giving his opinions. Your opinion strictly. Do you believe those words that there is no intent to change the structure of content creation and creative? I feel like even if Vince is being sincere about that, he, he won't be able to control himself like that. If he is back, he is going to put his fingerprints on things. It's just, it's just who he is. It's absolutely who it is. Uh, there was someone, uh, you know, I'll just say randomly without mentioning names, who said, I don't know, said, Raw felt different on Monday. I've got a feeling Vince may have had his fingerprints on it, uh, which is interesting. Um, but but no, I, I think if Vince comes back, I, I think it kind of continues as it is. And then you see a little more influence from Vince, a little more, a little more, a little more. And then uh, it might get back to the point where he's going, damn it, this is my show. And nobody's better doing this than me. This is my baby. I'm going to I'm gonna raise my child and I'm going to see him through. Now, there are some legal hurdles in him being able to do that because he is still under federal investigation right mm -hmm. now by the SEC. So for him to physically be able to mandate, no, I'm in charge of creative. No, I'm doing this. There are yeah. hurdles in at this moment in time as Absolutely. we take it. I mean, that, that's why I said it, it would be a slow process. Mm -hmm. But I mean, just, just knowing Vince... You know, I, he's not my best friend, but I worked with him a lot and I've, I've been around him a lot. And I, I feel like I have a pretty good grip on his actions and kind of like his his thought process. Yeah. Uh, I, as time would go on, you would see a little more and a little more and a little more until mm -hmm. he got back to where he felt like he was, you know, controlling the helm of the show. Yeah. And again, in his current role, he is simply executive chair of the board. Mm -hmm. That does not mean that he is the CEO of the company. Those are two different roles and jurisdiction of who is in charge of what and employees. Th those things are different based on roles. So we're saying, okay, this might just be a thing where in name he is back and he truly is back just to help facilitate a sale or to negotiate TV rights. And before I get into the next part of this equation, Matt, when you and I were talking and I kind of ex explained it for you that he was not going to just sit back idly and basically said that you are going to do this or else you're not going to be able to negotiate a sale or negotiate TV rights deals. Right. Essentially Vince taking his own company hostage. Uh, what did you think of that? Um, I almost, I, I wouldn't expect anything less from Vince in all actuality. I mean, so many people see, the Mr. McMahon character, and they think it was just outrageous and over the top. But I mean, it really wasn't a, a it wasn't a, an extremely far departure from kind of how he was day to day. I mean, he was he 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 was an intimidated, feared individual there, and and this was a reputation that he intentionally built around himself. Uh, you know, and as time went on, he became more and more like the Wizard of Oz. It was hard to get behind the curtain. It was hard to get FaceTime with him. It was hard to talk to him, and, and, and I almost get that. You have to be like that. Tony Khan has to be like that, too. I mean, because, you know, these, these guys have so many they have so much going on in what they're doing, especially when you're trying to put on a, a live wrestling show. You know, during the day, you just can't let anybody come in and, and have FaceTime. You have to have guys around you. You have to have, you know, people that you can, you know, hand down other responsibilities to. They can address those and they can take those because you can't do it all because you can't be stretched too thin. You can't try and micromanage stuff. And uh, Vince had really built himself into Quite, quite a scenario where he was, you know, he was the emperor. They used to call him that back in the day, Chief J. Strongbow. J. And J.R. would call him Caesar. 
Yeah. Uh, but, you know, oh, well, the emperor really likes you guys. The emperor, the emperor is good with you guys. The emperor, you know, and I mean, that, that's almost like what it feels like, you know, when you're there, you know, trying to, to see this guy and get FaceTime with him. He, he is the emperor. It wasn't easy always. You mentioned Vince becoming like the Wizard of Oz. Tony Khan, give us some perspective here. How accessible is Tony during a show day? Was, was he a lot more accessible early on? And now as the company has grown and progressed and these responsibilities come about, has, has that changed a little bit? Yeah, Tony is still very accessible, though, um, and he's very open to listening to ideas. He's very opening to, you know, giving a pitch and then him putting a spin on it, whatever it may be. But but he, he has he has definitely started to protect himself more, which he needs to do. You know, there's like uh, when they're doing meetings or whatever, there's a security guard outside his door. And, 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 and he has to do that because he has to make sure that show's done. He has to make sure everybody's on the same page. It's not an easy job being the king of a wrestling promotion. It is not an easy job at all. And on top of that, I mean, Tony Khan's also got the Jags going on. You know, he's got Fulham going on. He has so much going on. It is insane. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I would go crazy if I had all that stuff happening at one time. I mean, like wrestling is about all I can handle, especially when I go home with my, my kids, because every minute of my day is accounted for in some way, shape or form. Um, but, but Tony has done a very good job of walking the fine line of, you know, you can go there and say, hey, when can I see Tony? He said, oh, 15 minutes will be free. Okay, I'll come back then. Yeah, And he, he's always open to seeing people. I mean, he he never has a, a closed door for someone. He is very, very open and and responsive to listening to ideas and, and especially creative. I think character counts in situations like that. Uh, character is pretty significant. And Tony Khan... I can only speak from my interactions with him, which are obviously much more limited than your interactions with him. And, and while I haven't necessarily agreed with everything business wise with AEW and decisions and creative and stuff like that, I have never ever doubted Tony Khan's character and his accessibility to those around him. I mean, to sum it up, Tony Khan is a phenomenal human being. And he gets it. He's younger. Uh, he he. I, I can never put over Tony enough. If it's a pay-per-view week and I'm not on the pay-per-view or I'm not needed there, I'll say, hey, Tony, is it cool if I go home and be with my kids? Anytime I'm not doing anything, he's like, yeah, sure. Let's talk to travel, get him and change your flight, whatever. You know, like if, if you're not needed, he doesn't leave you there, which is something you might get somewhere else at a WB. They might just say, no, you need to stay here till, you're, till it's all said and done because he understands that people need time with their families that, that, that sometimes their wives have issues or their kids have issues. And, and he gives them time off and he's, he's done that with me. You know, my wife had to have some surgery a while back and, you know, he, he gave me 10 days off and, you know, it might be my kid's birthday and we're having a birthday party and he gives me that, that day off, whatever it may be. He, he's very easy to work with. He's very compassionate. He has empathy for people and he understands that, you know, we're all human beings with lives outside of wrestling. We're not just a cog in the AW machine. And sometimes at WWE, you would feel like that's all you were is a cog in the WWE machine. They don't they don't really give a shit about what you have going on at home and whatnot. And and that has changed some over the years. And and apparently recently it had changed a lot. So it's just going to be really interesting to see where WWE lies in six months from now. But as I said earlier, in chaos, there's opportunity. And I think okay. just all this chaos going on, I think, is going to be beneficial to Tony Khan and AEW more than anybody, because I think AEW has bought and earned a lot of goodwill with wrestling fans. 
And I think now with this WWE stuff going on, especially with the rumors that, oh, my God, is Vince going to sell to Saudi Arabia, which is a very controversial, you know, decision and discussion in itself. Like, you know, AEW benefits from that because, like, well, you know, I know we got AEW and, and they're very good to us. They're good to their fans and they're they seem to be run by a good human being. And once again, I will, you know, emphasize that Tony Khan is a, is an amazing and phenomenal human being. And, and there are going to be people who are going to listen to this, Matt, and they're going to say, oh, of course Matt's going to say that. Of course John's going to say that. They're sucking up. You know, they have the approval to do this podcast. Of course, and, and also, but th that, with that same thing being said, I, I told them also the reasons why I do respect Vince McMahon's in, in certain capacities. You know, I mean, I, when I talk about these people, I just try, try and talk about them as, as uh, and in reality, you know, and, and my actual uh, experiences with them. And you've been pretty constructive, too as far as Tony is concerned and said, Hey, like I, I, I can't stress this enough. Like we just surpassed the four year anniversary of the AW launch press conference. Right. Tony Khan is learning on the job here. Of Tony course. Khan didn't grow up the son of a wrestling promoter. The eights, obviously a lot of experience in show business and sports and all that stuff, but it's a totally different animal and he's booking yeah. on top of that. It's not just being in charge of it. He's also booking. So I do think there is a little bit of leeway in that sense, but I, I do think there are examples where character stands out here. The, the, look no further than the William Regal situation. William Regal was a top character on AEW television, a significant character. And because William Regal felt this is going to be the best situation for me personally and my family. Tony let him go. Mm -hmm. and, and I do think that speaks a lot to Karen. Speaks volumes. Speaks volumes. It, it really does. Okay. We've established the timeline leading up to Tuesday. Where Tuesday night, we get <laughs> a report that Stephanie McMahon has resigned as the co-CEO of WWE. It's so funny. So, so I, I boarded my plane, right? And I just sat down. I just got off the phone with my wife. Okay, we're getting ready to take off shortly, whatever. You hit me with that text. It was a tweet, right? You, you, tweet, you, you texted me a tweet. And it's like, you know, Stephanie McMahon is gone. Like, holy shit. And that was your Matt's response verbatim was holy shit in all caps. Oh, holy shit. You know, that, that was an unexpected turn. And then, you know, I scroll up my phone and then right at the top of the page, you see Steph's letter, resignation letter, I guess. Um, and and then, like, I just said, oh, I just sent you the tweet and you said it was deleted already. And I opened up my phone and it was just still there. It was still served in, in, in my memory. And I was able to screenshot it and send it to you. I think uh, you accidentally deleted it while you were scrolling. You know, it's just one of the because you can delete anything you want. Personally. <laughs> That's <laughs> it. I did, I did delete it. I actually deleted the screenshot, though. I, my phone is like way overfilled. That's why I keep posting Fan Fridays and <laughs> Tuesday drop and delete. Stuff. Off. <laughs> I have so much shit on here. I'm trying to delete stuff off my phone constantly. Just get them out um, of there. But yeah, I, I'd grab that, and you know, probably, I, I would guess I didn't read through it all. It's probably there was like a spelling error or a punctuation error, or whatever it may have been, and and then you know she she put it out again. But just for things to that was so rapid, that happened so quick. You know, oh Vince is back, and now Stephanie resigns and she's gone. It's so like, well, she 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 was sitting in the Iron Throne, and now she's not in the Iron Throne, and then we're back to you know, totally back to Game of Thrones. I mean, who, who is, is, is Nick Khan the hand of the king? I think he is. I think he's the hand of the king, which a lot of times they're the dirtiest players in the game. I, I don't know Nick Khan at all. And, uh, I, you know, I've, I've only read things about him, you know, but apparently he's a very, very driven man. 
that's an understatement. <laughs> that, that he's a very driven man. Uh, I'm going to read Stephanie's resignation letter here. All right. She says, Dear WWE Universe, about eight months ago, I took a leave of absence and within a few weeks unexpectedly had the opportunity of a lifetime. I had the privilege to return as the co-CEO and chairwoman of the board of WWE. I cannot put into words how proud I am to have led what I consider to be the greatest company in the world, working alongside a remarkable leadership team and one of the strongest executives I've known in my co-CEO, Nick Khan. Our founder, Vince McMahon, has returned as executive chair and is leading an exciting process regarding strategic alternatives and with nick's leadership and paul triple h levesque as chief content officer i'm confident wwe is in a perfect place to continue to provide unparalleled creative content and drive maximum value for shareholders wwe is in such a strong position that i have decided to return to my leave and take it one step further with my official resignation i look forward to cheering on wwe from the other side of the business where i started where i was a little kid as a pure fan i'll always remain dedicated to wwe i truly love our company our employees our superstars and our fans and i'm grateful to, to all of our partners thank you for everything then now forever together Steph. all right so john now like at the bottom of uh you know if you see a a tweet that's in italian or german or spanish you'll say like translate tweet john translate that statement tldr <laughs> uh here's what i'll translate it to some stuff happened and it's time for me to step away i want to remind everyone as i read that stephanie was on the same board that just a week and a half ago voted unanimously against Vince McMahon's return. Does that mean she voted against it? Not necessarily. She could have abstained from voting, but she was part of a board that unanimously voted against it. I can't stress that enough. And just a few days ago, they had an all hands on deck meeting where Stephanie assured that there were no changes coming. Keep in mind, a year ago, Stephanie stepped away from WWE to take a leave of absence. When the Vince stuff happened, she was brought back as the interim CEO. Mm -hmm. Then, upon Vince's official exit, she became co-CEO. Right. And now she steps away again. And Matt, there are people out there who say, well, you know, she was the interim CEO. She had stepped away for a reason. Now this is just her going back to leave of absence and all that. Well, number one, she resigned. She's done. Gone. And number two, if it was always her plan, why did she take up the permanent co-CEO mantle? And why was she part of a board that voted against Vince McMahon's return? Something does not line up there, just right. journalistically putting pieces together. You're told, Matt, as a journalist, to never believe in coincidence. Right. Coincidence can happen sometimes, but generally speaking, it doesn't. Does this raise some eyebrows to you? And we're not going to speculate necessarily on what it is, but does that raise some eyebrows to you? I mean, of course. Yeah. Especially if she, you know, is back to take the position. Once again, I'll go back to my Game of Thrones reference. If she is back and she is sitting on the Iron Throne, uh, if she makes that a, a, a permanent title, like it just seems weird that she just out of the blue resigns, you mm -hmm. know, because she feels the company's doing so well already. I mean, it, it, it sounds like she was very committed to the gig. Uh, they've been they've been getting great feedback the last few months that they have been uh, heading up WWE as we spoke earlier and talked about a lot of talent there said it, it feels like a different place now there's a totally different vibe a totally different atmosphere uh, her her leaving sounds like there's something coming that she doesn't want to be around for mm -hmm. I mean, does that does that sound right to you John well after this news broke. I, I tweeted this too. I heard from about 10 wrestlers across different promotions, including AW, including WWE, including Impact, 
who all said that Stephanie McMahon resigning was bad news for wrestlers <laughs> everywhere because they felt that Stephanie was someone who kind of spoke up for roster members and for the talent and genuinely had talent interest in mind and right. that losing her as an asset and a resource was a really scary thing. We talked about her a little bit last week on our podcast about John Cena, which by the way, I thought was one of my favorite episodes we've done and is available in our archive. If you haven't checked it out yet, it's fun. We talked about her just a little bit, but now this is our opportunity to talk about Stephanie a little more. What kind of person is Stephanie McMahon from your interactions with her? I mean, I, mean, I, I like Stephanie. Uh, I get along good with her, um, especially the last round when I was there. And I feel like I feel like Stephanie was a lot more like Vince than Shane was ever like Vince as far as her business drive. And she knew when she had to like show authority, kind of put her foot down, you know, uh, slap down a power card, whatever. Mm -hmm. but, but she was also compassionate. And I feel like she cared more about the human beings that were there sacrificing <clears throat> so much for her and her family that, that, that run the joint, you know? So I, I feel like she was a little more caring about the human beings in their life outside of pro wrestling. It so that's, that's kind of that balance that you were talking about before where sure. you're willing to put your foot down and be a firm boss, but also showing a little more humanity towards talent. Of course. Yeah. Did you feel like she had the best interest of talent as human beings in mind? I mean, you know, it, it, it's been a while now. We're sure. going almost three years since I've been there, but, and, and I can't speak. But even over know, the years from your interactions with her though. I, I, I mean, I, I would assume so, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and, and it's always different once someone gets in the iron throne, once they're in that position of running the company and they have all that power, some people, some people kind of get drunk with that power, Sure, you know? Uh, so, so, so you never know, but, from my experiences with her, she's she's always been pretty solid. I've only had one interaction ever with Stephanie. It was at the WWE tryout in Nashville this past year. Mm -hmm. I cannot put over how kind she was. I cannot put over how invested in the event she was. So my one personal interaction, nothing but favorable. And like I said, I had people reaching out who were like, this is red flag. This is not good for the industry that something like this would happen because they, they really saw her as someone that was part of the future. But you know what? Here's the reality, Matt. Now she goes home. She has time to spend with her kids. She has time to rest up, maybe even get in, you know, good, healthy shape too. And there's a certain way that you can do that every single day. Is there not Matt Hardy? There certainly is. AG1. One delicious scoop of AG1 every day, and you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food, source, whole food source superfoods. I've been up for like 72 hours. Probiotics and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special you're killing it, though. <laughs> I've taken three AG1s at this point. This special <laughs> blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy recovery, focus, aging, all of those things. And even though John Alba right now is not lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, AG1s are. The, the Athletic Greens product contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, artificial anything, while still tasting good. And if you so choose to sleep, Matt Hardy, it even <laughs> supports better sleep quality and recovery, doesn't it? 
It does. And it helps. I, I can tell my sleep has been a lot more solid now that I've been doing AG ones on the regular. Does it help you even when you're on the plane? I got, I cannot sleep on planes for the life of me. Oh my God. I, I couldn't last week. I'm uh, keeping my fingers crossed today. I might maybe even take another AG one right before I, uh, before I get <laughs> on my phone tonight so I can sleep all the way back to Charlotte. Well, tons of people take some kind of multivitamin, and it's important to choose one with high-quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb. AG1 is a small microhabit with big benefits. It's one thing you can do every single day to take great care of yourself. And right now, it is time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D. And how many free travel packs, my friend? Five, cinco, five, cinco, five free travel packs. With your first purchase, all you got to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash hardy. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash hardy to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And we thank them for sponsoring the extreme life of Matt Hardy. And I thank you for keeping Matt Hardy up and running AG once. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. You mentioned a name just before, Shane McMahon. Someone we haven't seen in the WWE ranks since Royal Rumble. Right. We know that he had departed the company about 12, 13 years ago, and then came back as a talent. Do you think Stephanie, um, and I'm asking you to go off your intuition here more than anything. Do you think Stephanie kind of fulfilled that business side of Vince's offspring that Vince maybe didn't get from Shane. Because if you turn the clock back to the year 2000 and you were to say in the future, who's running WWE, I think everyone would say Shane and Stephanie McMahon, but that's just not the case. Right. Um, I I think Steph did. I mean, I I think Steph and Hunter, especially after they first got together, I felt like Vince said, Oh my God, this, this is, this works out perfect. I like this guy. Uh, you know, and he's with my daughter and they're together and they both think similar to me. You know, I think they're going to be the guys that will eventually be behind the reins of the company one day. And as we know, that would not be the case for Shane O'Mac. Uh, from, from your observations and knowing Shane, did you ever sense a rift between them or see any maybe lack of cohesion from that business side of things? I don't know. I mean, just he just wasn't as like tunnel vision focused in mm. on business like Stephanie was, you know, in my opinion. And and I feel like Shane Shane loved like I remember one of the first times we had a tour and we were in Japan. Like he's like, all right, guys, let's get together, let's go out and let's eat and let's do this and hang out. And I mean, he loved the brethren and the brotherhood of just hanging out with the boys and doing that. And and I feel like Vince did earlier on in his career as well. But I almost feel like that was. You know, maybe a thing like, you know, damn it, Shane, you got to establish yourself as mm-hmm. you're a leader. You're not just a friend. You're you're a leader. You're a boss. You know, I, I feel like that was maybe kind yeah. of hard. But, you know, Shane, Shane loved hanging out with the talent. He loved doing stuff. He loved like being one of the boys. Yeah. And, and he was Shane. Shane McMahon became a better professional wrestler than he had any business becoming. Yeah. 
this is a guy that on the WrestleMania that you returned in Orlando probably had the match of the night with AJ Styles. Uh, his his drive to become good, it was impressive. You have any thoughts on the type of performer that Shane would ultimately become? No, I mean you're you're right. Everything you said is legitimate, and, and I feel like Shane loved wrestling, and and probably there's a, a part of him in the back of his mind that he would just have liked to have been a wrestler more than anything else, as far as just having to kind of like be bred into the McMahon family. And now you've kind of got to be in a leadership role because your last name's McMahon. He's like, man, I wish I could just be a full-time wrestler and just do that gig. Like, this is my deal. I like being one of the boys. Mm -hmm. uh, but but he worked really hard. And, and he, he, once again, would almost fit in the team extreme because he was pretty fearless in the things he would do. And he would love to pick out a, a big high spot and really make that the highlight of his night. And, and he would he would usually uh, he, he would usually send everybody home happy with some of the insanity he would for years, I wondered if he and Jeff had bets under the table who could do something crazier that particular night. Because it was, <laughs> oh, Jeff's Jeff's jumping off a, a barricade. Well, I'm I'm going off the set tonight. <laughs> it's, right, it's, it's, a stunt man in his own right was Shane yeah. McMahon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he, he he loved doing a big stunt. That's that's. I feel like that was probably the fabric of his match buildup. Okay, let let's let's figure out the big stunt and then we'll work backwards. <laughs> sure. Okay, so Stephanie McMahon shows up in AEW, right? <laughs> Stephanie McMahon is all elite. The name on the contract does read McMahon. <laughs> it says Stephanie. No, it's, uh, man, Stephanie departing is a big deal, Matt. It's a really big deal. And as you said, yeah. it, it spoked quite a fire. Yes. A lot of rumblings in the immediate hours following that. Yeah. Now, I want to preface by before I get into that. Uh, there were reports the other day that WWE enlisted in JP Morgan to help facilitate a potential sale. WWE's own press release said a sale could ultimately even end up not happening here. So let, let me ask you this, John. Is that just a report, the JP Morgan story, or is that something that has factually happened? I mean, it was reported, and I have no reason to doubt the report. I'm fairly confident that J.P. Morgan is the one that has been enlisted to help facilitate this sale. Uh, and again, keep in mind, there, there are two facets at play here. There's sale and media rights, both of which are extremely important, but media rights can't be negotiated until you know whether there's going to be a sale or not, because that right. impacts the other pretty significantly. And... By the way, both of those moves, and we'll talk about this after we get through this whole diatribe here, both of those moves impact AEW directly. Like, absolutely directly. Indeed. So, as that happens, there's a list of potential suitors that start to come out. Comcast, Fox, Disney, Endeavor, the company that owns UFC. Some people speculated Warner Brothers Discovery, which I highly 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 doubt <laughs> for a variety of reasons highly doubt yeah same i'm glad you're on the same page as me there that is a tried and true no chance in hell as if i've ever heard one and uh liberty media was another one there were a few names that start to surface and one that came across the waiver wire the other night was saudi arabia Saudi Arabia has a, an entertainment and athletic commission, essentially, that has spent a lot of money 
launching leagues and entities. And when I say a lot of money, we're talking absurd money. One example being Live Golf, which was very, if any of you are sports fans out there, I don't know how much you paid attention to that, Matt, but uh, it was essentially a competitor to the PGA Tour Mm -hmm. where they were able to get a ton of names from the PGA Tour, major names, including Phil Mickelson, headed by Greg Norman, the former golfer, right, and just offering absurd amounts of money. We're talking tens of millions of dollars to come play for the tour to each person. So, were, were, they, were they playing in Saudi Arabia? Were they playing all over? The world? No, the events the events are held all over. Okay, all over, including in the United States. But one of the difficult hurdles they've run into is that because of the ties to the Saudi Arabian government, they've had a difficult time landing media rights deals. Right. Because there are people who are very hesitant to be involved with that. So. Have they landed any? Do they have any media right deals in North America? For Live Golf, they've struggled to. Now, there are other entities. Globally, they have been able to. Yeah, but but in in North America... In the U.S., they have had a hard time breaking it. So, so they haven't they they haven't landed anything. No, no substantial media. Okay, license. nothing substantial. Uh, no, a no NBC or Fox five hundred million dollars billion dollars type of deals. None of that right. to this point. So after Stephanie resigns, I got pinged that there was some chatter that they had either been close to or were in the process of getting a deal in motion with Saudi Arabia. Because by the way, once Stephanie resigned, Vince officially became the executive chair of WWE. Again, Nick Khan was promoted to sole CEO. So, so Vince is back on the iron throne. Vince is back on the iron. He's not CEO. Nick Khan is CEO. So Nick Khan has a ton of power here unilaterally a ton of power i'd started hearing these chatters and i I think it started going around a lot of places a lot of people were seeing this and there were some reports that a deal was done i spent all of tuesday night (laughs) trying and when i say all of tuesday night i mean into the very early hours of the morning as my son Wolfie would say, literally all of Thursday Literally night. all of the night. All of Tuesday night. Uh, trying to confirm this, and nobody would confirm the news. Nobody denied it, but it was more, we don't know. We can't confirm this news. And eventually, Wednesday morning, today, as we taped this, I was able to get a pretty high-ranking person in WWE on the record as a source to say that it was not factual at this moment in time, as things stand. Always subject to change. Cards subject to change, pal. But at this moment in time, not. And others have echoed those reports. Ariel Helwani did. Sean Ross Sapp did, uh, I believe, as we taped this. If he didn't, I apologize, but I'm fairly certain he has also said that he hasn't been able to confirm that. Uh, Sportico was able to confirm that CNBC did as well. TMZ did. So as we tape this map, yes, it does not appear that a sale has been agreed to or has 
actually happened yet. I mean, it's, it's one of those things. I mean, even if that was something Vince was walking, uh, Vince was working on on his time off. I mean, it's just it's it's a publicly traded company. It's a huge conglomerate. I mean, you just can't do that without anyone's knowledge. Which you know seemed like once again made it seem like it was more of a rumor. You know, especially when people were saying, "Oh, I think the deal is done and it's sold." You know, maybe it has been talked about and discussed, but yeah. you know, I, I don't think it happens that quickly with a publicly yeah. traded company. And especially since they just enlisted J.P. Morgan, as we said the other day, to help facilitate sure. a potential sale. It happening that quickly would have told me two things. One, Vince, as the majority shareholder, even while he wasn't in charge with the company, still was negotiating a sale, which there's questionable legal ramifications to that, as is. I'm not going to sit here and pretend I know entirely what they are, but I know there's something not right about that. Yeah. Or backdooring. Backdooring. Or they just came in with a, we're going to offer you $10 billion off the gate and take it or leave it, which in theory they could. They could in theory. Uh, but I don't believe that was the case. And I, I, if you're asking my opinion, my gut, my gut says this is still a process that's in the early goings, all things considered. And Matt, there is also an important distinction. And I'm sorry that I'm talking so much. This is your podcast and I don't mean to be, but. Good. You're the one, the most knowledgeable here. So keep talking. <laughs> there is an important distinction between a deal is done and a deal is agreed upon. A very important distinction. There's a huge distinction, a huge difference. Eric Bischoff had a deal agreed upon to acquire WCW back in 2001. Right, with Fusion. That deal did not come to fruition. It did not become a done deal. And as a result, we know what happened. The alliance. The alliance happened. The invasion happened. Unfortunately, the alliance happened. (laughs) Well, hell. These invaders. Not, not outstanding. These invaders. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. <laughs> he was one of the invaders. Yeah. And that damn dastardly Booker T, who we will have an episode on this year, by the way. <laughs> but it just immediately, this reaction to this potential Saudi Arabia deal. And for the record, it could still happen. By the time we finish recording this episode, Matt Hardy, there could be a deal with Saudi Arabia. There could be a deal with Comcast. There could be a deal with anybody, for all we know. But the immediate aftermath of What about this, Disney? Disney still has Disney is someone who could certainly sw- swipe in there. Absolutely, 100%. But the Saudi Arabia name gets thrown out there. What was your initial reaction to hearing that? And I don't know if you spoke to any colleagues about it, but there are so many variables at play here when you throw that name out there what was your initial reaction i mean i've been to saudi arabia with wb a few times and uh while we were there everyone was extremely nice to us extremely kind but but saudi arabia is very very different from america and north america typically you know so uh as you were talking about with the live golf i mean i i would foresee if saudi arabia was in charge of wb there's going to be a lot of difficulties in like getting these big media rights, getting these big TV rights, you know, uh, is, is Peacock going to want to do business with them? Is Fox going to want to do business with them? You know, there, there's a, there's a lot of what ifs there, which is, uh, is, is very strange, which first and foremost, if Vince is fully coming back, I think there's a part of Vince that wants to end up sitting back on the throne and, and running the show, not immediately, not from the jump, but, but I do think he wants to be the, the end all be all the be all end all when it's all said and done. So, I would feel like if he did sell to Saudi Arabia, 
I think he has the the insight to foresee there's going to be difficulties in getting these big. I mean, and, and let, let's face it, that's what's made the WWE the most profitable it's ever been, right? Their media rights, the Fox deal, the USA deal, the Peacock deal. You know, I feel like if there's a sale that goes to Saudi Arabia, it's just a sale so Vince can like get the final big cash out. If that if that's which direction it ended up going in, in my opinion, mm-hmm. I feel like if it was going somewhere else, then Vince is hoping to kind of run the show and and you know once again be in the saddle. Well, he could sell to Saudi Arabia. I'm just speaking totally hypothetically here. He could sell to Saudi all Arabia. By the way, everyone, all of this is hypothetical. He could sell to Saudi Arabia or on any company, truthfully, under the provision that he maintains control of the company. Right. Look no further than what happened with Endeavor and UFC, even though Dana White was not the primary shareholder, the primary owner, when that sale happened, one of the conditions, one of the conditions of the sale, Matt, was was that Dana White would be installed as president and oversee all the, the content. Right. Which is something that Vince McMahon, in theory, could put in a deal where WWE becomes a private company again upon sale and he is unilaterally put in charge. If you're a private company, you don't have to worry about the SEC being involved. The federal investigation stuff goes away because of that. Yeah. So so there is some legitimate succession stuff going on here that yeah. is straight out of a TV show. Yeah. It's pretty wild stuff when you think about that at the end of the day, isn't it? Yeah, and and I I can see Vince doing that. I absolutely can. I mean, he he's half has buddies with Dana White, right? You know, they uh, they they get along. They've interacted. I mean, and I, I think they're of the same mindset, especially when it comes to you know running a big business. Well, and there's also the element you talked about struggles with media rights. Nick Khan is there for a reason. Nick right. Khan. For those who aren't super familiar with Nick Khan's background. And I'm not either. I'm super intrigued by him. So I'm excited to hear your, your explanation about him because I've never met him. Nick Khan was the head of CAA. CAA is probably the biggest agency in the United States. Mm-hmm. They have talent across every single media, major media entity in the U.S. And right. even internationally, too. He has connections at the highest of high levels to people in these major media entities. If anyone could facilitate media rights deals orchestration, even with the cloud of Saudi Arabia headed over here, that job would be entrusted to Nick Khan. I feel pretty confident in that. So so, so what you're telling me basically is that Nick Khan is a gangster. I mean, use that at your own discretion. But <laughs> I mean, like when it, when it comes to like getting shit done, you know? I had friends who worked under Nick Khan at CAA who said they have never met a human being like him, who is the ultimate, ultimate businessman who is willing to do whatever needs to do to get it done. I had a WWW... Oh, let me restart that. <clears throat> a WWE source who said to me Tuesday night, mm-hmm. and someone else prefaced me on this, and then I asked them, and, and they were like, this is 100% accurate, that Nick Khan is everything that Vince McMahon wanted Shane McMahon to be as his son, oh, except he yeah. has the balls to do it, whereas Shane didn't. Oh, boy. So, so put that into perspective here. 
pretty significant. So, 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 so you're telling me Nick Khan is straight out of succession. He's straight out of billions, right? <laughs> I've I've only encountered Nikon once briefly. I can't speak to his character, or his person. I just again from talking to people uh, in the company, out of the company, uh, he's legit in terms right. of his connections and his ability to acquire. Now, it could also, Matt. I, I can't stress this enough. It could totally be a situation where the Saudis aren't even in play here, and this becomes right. a Comcast buying WWE and inherently then Comcast NBC universal acquires all of WWE programming and you don't have to worry about those things. Right. Yeah. I mean, everything is speculation right now. Anything is possible. This could go any direction, but it is something I just said, yeah, let's converse about it. Let's have a, let's have a conversation. You know what else Matt Hardy is one thing that you don't have to worry about, especially when it comes to putting food on your table. Mm, would that be if uh, we want to get the best food case, uh, the best food, the best uh, seafood that is showcased in all of Baltimore, Maryland, get it uh, ordered directly to your home? You might even say with free two day nationwide shipping on orders of one hundred twenty five dollars or more, excluding steamed crabs and fresh items. I'm oh, baby. I know. Awfully specific, huh? <laughs> I, of course, am talking about Jimmy's famous seafood, our partners here at the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy, who have got the best Maryland crab cakes, soups, chowders, oysters, signature steaks, desserts, gluten-free items, wings, ribs, and everything in between. Just go to Jimmy'sFamousSeafood.com and use that promo code HARDY to get free two-day nationwide shipping on those orders over $125, excluding steamed crabs and fresh items. This is the best of the best. And Matt Hardy, I don't know if you heard. I know you're a busy guy, but the NFL playoffs get underway this week. And hypothetically speaking here, if you wanted to enjoy some of those football games, yeah, you could create your own package of goodies. You could order the tailgate bundle with two pounds of wings, a full rack of barbecue ribs, a pint of crab dip, and crab cake mix as well. How do you eat your wings, Matt Hardy? I've, I've never asked you that question. Uh, I, I, I'm going to say I'm I'm lazy at this stage of the game. I like boneless wings. Oh, no. That is the most controversial opinion you've levied on this, <laughs> on this podcast yet. Boneless wings, Matt Hardy. Those are just chicken nuggets. <laughs> uh, you know, and also like crab dip. You know, crab I, 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 can, I can tell you do too. You get excited sometimes when talking about crab dip. Oh, I, I get real excited talking about crab dip. Let me assure you of that. There's plenty of dip to go around for everybody. When John Albert is talking about Jimmy's famous seafood, do you like your wings hot, medium, mild, spicy? Uh, I'm a I'm a medium guy. You know, I like, I like uh, honey barbecue. I like uh, uh, like a buffalo chicken type okay. wing. You know, I and I'll eat them on the wings as well. But no. I would say if I prefer if I have the choice between the two, I'm almost too lazy to chew around the bowls now. I just get, I just straight up eat the boneless wings. You get enough spice at home. Oh, um, I do. When you walk, get away. all the spice at home. <laughs> Give me the spice. Give me the spice. <laughs> and, uh, and and I got to tell you, when we're talking about Jamie, uh, Jimmy's famous seafood, I mean, you haven't had a crab cake until you sink your teeth into a Jimmy's famous seafood crab cake. There, there is no comparison. You eat that crab cake. If you like crab cakes, you will be in heaven. I guarantee it. So what are you waiting for? Go to jimmysfamousseafood.com. Use that promo code Hardy and get free two-day nationwide shipping on orders over $125 or more, excluding steamed crabs and fresh items. Promo code Hardy, jimmysfamousseafood.com.
Hey guys, it's the hardcore legend Mick Foley here, and I need to call a quick timeout, a brief timeout, because I wanted to tell your listeners what I have been telling Foley is Pod listeners for a while now about all the cool things happening over on adfreeshows.com. We kick off 2023 by going back to 1983 and the debut of the NWA U.S. Heavyweight Championship, commonly referred to as the 10 Pounds of Silver, on an all-new edition of Title Chase. Overtime has just kind of worn out, and then uh, Magnum T.A. told me himself that he finally just polished some of the rest of it out because it just had some, just some little bit in the corners or whatever that uh, had hung on, and so he just finished the job. Our book series continues, and this time we turn to Jim Crockett Promotions. Conrad and David Crockett dive into Jim Crockett Jr.'s handwritten booking logs from January 1985. So tell us exactly what we're looking at here, the Red Books. All right, the Red Books, I have to tell you, are basically, and I'll hold one up, this is a calendar for a book for 1985. All right, in it, I'm just going to turn full page. Handwritten uh, the matches and also the gross of the city towns that were in the matchups. And this is the Bible. It was started with my father. On January 24th, Ad Free Shows is bringing you another premium watch along event as we celebrate the 35 year anniversary of the very first Royal Rumble. And we're watching it live with the winner of that historic match, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Oh, hey, folks. I'm WWE Hall of Famer Hacksaw Jim Duggan from the golden age of wrestling. And I'm celebrating the 35th anniversary of my win in the first ever Royal Rumble by watching this Royal Rumble on adfreeshows.com. Join me January 24th at 9 p.m. adfreeshows.com. Tough guy, first ever winner. Ho! That's just a small taste, a sampling, if you will, of what we have waiting for you with four levels to choose from. Four. See for yourself why Ad Free Shows is the best value in wrestling today. Sign up now, right now, at adfreeshows.com. Yeah. As far as a correlation between a WWE sale or a media rights deal. Do you see that affecting AEW in any way? Yes. I mean, I, I think AEW is, is absolutely in that equation. And, and just depending on what kind of sale, if WWE is sold, uh, just depending on what kind of media rights they end up getting. I mean, depending on who is the buyer too, depending on how passionate they are about WWE, depending on who's running the joint, whatever. Um, AW has now for four years been up and running. Uh, they've been on TV for three and a half. Is that right? You know, three and change. And, and they have really been very consistent. So the next time their media rights come up, they're, they're going to make more money. Mm-hmm. And just depending on how open the industry is because of WWE's either success or lack thereof, it's going to be a huge, it's going to make a huge difference in, in what AEW ends up getting. You mentioned goodwill earlier. Mm-hmm. I think goodwill is so valuable in pro wrestling. Yes. And I'll be honest with you. I'll be frank with you. I think there was a pretty big shift in goodwill this past summer when Vince left 
Paul Levesque and Stephanie came in Agreed. and AEW was going through some challenges. There, there's no doubt between all the injuries AEW had between the all out altercations. I do. I do think there was a pretty big shift in goodwill, mm. but I also think Tony Khan has done a lot to rectify that in recent months. And with everything going on right now at WWE, there is a really unique opportunity for Tony to harness that energy and leverage that to try and elevate AEW to that next level. Agreed. What do you think uh, of that? And, and once again, as I say, in chaos, there is opportunity. And there is a lot of chaos going on right now in WWE. There are so many question marks. There are so many unknowns. But week in and week out, I feel like Tony has built goodwill with wrestling fans. And he has also uh, proven AEW's worth and, and, and really instilled equity in AEW by having one of the top-rated programs every single week. I mean, it's a very consistent thing. You know, AEW is always in the mix of the top shows on cable every single week, and that is what advertisers look for. Our demographic numbers uh, are, you know, our 18 to 34, 18 to 49s are usually pretty strong as well. And it's, it's really worked hard to continue to build equity over these last few years into getting a, a bigger media rights deal whenever we start exploring things again. And uh, it, it's going to be really exciting. And I think it's uh, I think this internal change in WWE with Vince coming back where there, there was some goodwill with him, the fans, they felt like they were being listened to a little more. It wasn't like, you know, damn it, there's a pandemic, fire 80 people immediately, whatever. You know, I, I feel like the goodwill between the fans and AEW being so consistent from uh, ratings number, you know, and being one of the top ring TV shows and having a great demo every single week. I, I feel like they're they're in a prime position to capitalize. And if something goes awry with this whole WWE scenario, then they, you know, exponentially have a chance to capitalize. So I think AEW is this is going to end up being a win-win for them. Yeah, I think regardless of whether things go well or not in the public eye for WWE, it's good for AEW because let's say WWE gets a massive, massive media rights deal, regardless of a sale or not, right. ex excluding Saudi Arabia from the equation here for a second. If WWE gets a massive media rights deal and there's an increase from their current deal, that shows advertisers across the board that there is merit in having pro wrestling on your network. And that, in turn, gives AEW leverage, whether it's with Warner Brothers sure. Discovery or another company, whatever it may be, to say, hey, there's value in having us on your network. There's value in expanding our programming. And that's something that Tony Khan can sink his teeth into then and further expand the AEW brand. Mm -hmm. If WWE were to be sold to Saudi Arabia, well, then Tony Khan, Matt, has an opportunity to say, for those of you who disagree with this, for those of you who don't morally subscribe to this, come with me. Follow us. Follow what we're going to do. I, and I think that could just be the most advantageous opportunity that he could possibly have. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you on that. That's uh, that's that, that's a great mindset. And I, I feel like that's correct. The talent are what I really want to hit on here before we wrap our conversation. And this has been a great conversation. I've really enjoyed this. Same. If there is a sale to a, an entity like Saudi Arabia, Whereas we discussed before, lots of questionable activity there. You would have to imagine there will be some talent who feel incredibly uncomfortable being part of the company. Of course. 
what kind of ramifications could you see for the industry stemming from that where these pro wrestlers are technically speaking independent contractors here being put in an unfavorable position what kind of ramifications could you see speaking from a worker perspective matt for the rest of the industry the deal was when saudi arabia first started happening you know when they decided to strike the deal and they did all these big Saudi Arabia events, these pay-per-view events. And th- there was a point where they told town, like, if you're not comfortable with going, that's okay. You don't, you don't have to go, but you know, we, did we you were, believe that? Uh, well in pro wrestling, a lot of times, especially WWE, especially with Vince behind the helm, they might say like, if you don't feel comfortable doing this, you can say no and not go, but that didn't mean there's not going to be a repercussion to it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just, that's how it is. Um, so there's obviously some people who don't go there because they're not necessarily welcomed or whatnot. You know, there was a whole thing about the whole women deal, you know, how the women would have to wear, you know, cover their entire bodies and this, that, and the other thing. It's very different from America and very different from how WWE is usually presented. So yes, I think it would be very challenging because there's going to be some people say like, well, if this is like our full time gig, it might not be for me and especially my lifestyle might not agree with their beliefs or match up with their beliefs or where I'm from might not match up with their beliefs. So there, there's going to be some people that, uh, you know, that would, that would step away. I'm, I'm sorry. And on top of that, there might be some people who don't feel comfortable getting their money from yeah. that kind of entity. Now, the reality is, if you're under WWE contract right now, you you have had some of your money come from Saudi Arabia. And and let's call a spade a spade here. There are tons of entities in life, including here in corporate America, where there's incredibly unethical stuff going on from the people who are paying your paycheck. That yeah. that happens across corporations in the United States. So. And, they're, they're, and let, let's not kid ourselves. There's unethical stuff going on in every single government. I mean, there's corruption at, at all levels. 100%. Absolutely. So it's one thing to stand on your moral high ground and say, I'm not going to do this or any of that. But if your full-time paycheck is coming from this, that that is something that a potential employee would have to ask themselves. Do I feel comfortable with that? And you're right. going to have to answer to journalists asking those questions you're gonna have to answer to family members to people in other companies asking those questions but the one thing that would come with it matt i don't think a lot of wrestling fans or and even from talking to a few wrestlers i don't think even wrestlers realize this the amount of money that talent would get with one of these saudi arabia arabia acquisitions is unfathomable we're talking about where live golf is offering these golfers 35 40 million dollars a year to play 20 events for them i mean just insane money and there will be people that should something like this happen will say well i gotta do what's best for me in the pocket will they not of of course i mean that's at the end of the day as i've always said and i've said it on here before you know wrestling is a business and it's not always about being in the necessarily best spot, that's not always what should make you the happiness. You, you shouldn't necessarily be concerned with what your PWI 500 number is. You should worry, be worried about what the, the number of your salary is, what the number is of your paycheck that is coming once every week or once every two weeks. That's uh, at the end of the day, that's the most important number. And yes, obviously, if they were willing to, to you know, spew out these big paychecks, there's going to be some people that would, 
would definitely go for that. That would like that. That would appreciate that. And I, and I get that as well. It's a really, really interesting scenario that will have long-term ramifications should a sale between those two entities occur. And even if it doesn't, if it's not Saudi Arabia and if it's somebody else, or if there's no sale at all, there are still really important ramifications that come. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's that too. Is the sale just a play? Is it just a, a play for, for, for Vince to sit back on the Aaron throne? You know, I mean, it, it, this is such an intriguing situation. Uh, and once again, so chaotic, but, as I've said several times over already, I think for AEW, this is a chance for them to earn more goodwill with fans. And I think it's a chance for them to eat, earn even more equity in the big scheme of things, because uh, this chaotic situation, people don't know. It's like unstable. It's unpredictable. And anytime something is unstable or unpredictable, it's kind of, you know, it kind of puts a little worry in fans. And I think AEW uh, benefits from all this. You feel comfortable with the state of AEW as things stand right now in response to the rest of the pro wrestling world? I do. I do feel comfortable with AEW right now and where it stands. This WWE stuff is pretty insane, Matt. And I know it's, and you haven't told me this, but I'm knowing you and just reading you. I know it's got to be almost bittersweet to a degree because these are real people that you have interacted with at length for many, many years. And there are these seismic changes going on uh, from a humane personal level. And we can wrap with this. How does it hit you seeing all of this stuff happen from outside of Alexandria here? Um, it is it is shocking. Alexandria may no longer be Alexandria in, in some ways. Um, just the, the incredible change a sale of WWE would make to the industry can't, can be understated because I mean, WWE, you know, especially once they were WWF, they went to the Monday night wars and that was the hottest time when so many people were watching wrestling and it was such a cool thing to do. Every gimmick t-shirt shop you went by had wrestling t-shirts and it had wrestling merchandise and whatever. I mean, WWE, you know, as Vince would say, is in, you know, the, the heart and soul of Americana in the fiber of Americana for it to be sold to someone else and, and not run by the demands is it's, it's crazy. Who, who knows what would happen? Who knows what that does to that company, especially if it ended up being run by the Saudis. I mean, that, that, that just changes so many things. And, and it, in, in theory changes the whole course of professional wrestling going forward. But I, I do think whatever ends up happening, if they have a change and, you know, it isn't run by the McMahon, so to say. It's not to say he might not try and work a deal in where he's going to be running the show behind the scenes. Uh, I, I think it's beneficial for AEW because AEW is, is in a prime spot to grow and to expand and to become bigger and also garner more media rights when it comes to their next TV deal because they've had a very successful three-plus years. And then you hope that that trickles down, too, to other promotions as well. A absolutely. You know, you hope that that trickles down to the impact wrestlings and, and to the other indie places that are, that are up and running, you know, now that ROH is more or less part of AW, you know, in itself, but yeah, ho hopefully it, it trickles down all the way to the independence and it makes it them hot again. The last thing that I want to say, and I want your opinion as to whether I'm being hyperbolic or not. I've been racking this whole thing in my head the last week. This is in my opinion, a top two wrestling story of all time. 
I'd say it's this and the Benoit incident for obvious reasons and the ramifications of what happened with the Chris Benoit double murder suicide and how that changed the industry, but right. in a completely different lens. I think this is probably the biggest wrestling story ever. Do you, is that Matt fact or is that Matt fiction? I mean, I guess we'll have to let it play out and, and see how it all goes down. But in theory, we are on the road to possibly the biggest wrestling store of all time. Yes. Look at you plugging away. Boxagimmicks.com. Go get your Let It Play Out t-shirt. You can sport it every time you go on a podcast and talk about what's going to happen with WWE and AEW and uh, everything else going on. Matt, this was really great stuff. I'm, I'm appreciative of it. And I want to plug this too. If any of you have enjoyed this business talk, I host a podcast on Podcast Heat and ad-free shows called Strictly Business with Eric Bischoff, where we have just been nonstop covering this stuff go check that out uh, wherever you get your podcast 83weeks.com as well eric has tremendous perspective on this and it's really been fascinating so he's been in the thick of it i'm sure he does you guys are ready to go uh, like like bust it open five days a week right dude literally we're gonna wrap you and i and then we're taping an emergency podcast even though we taped one yesterday (laughs) it's just it's crazy man uh, anything else you'd like to add here, Matt Hardy, on this week's episode? Next week, assuming the world doesn't explode professional wrestling-wise, uh, <laughs> we we plan to talk in depth and watch the 2003 Royal Rumble match, which is going to be a lot of fun. Oh, cool! Yeah, that that was a uh, that was a very very fun match with me. That was uh, when when Mattitude was uh, was running wild. We're going to watch that. You're going to give us a little bit of insight, and I've never really heard a pro wrestler on a large uh, scale talk about this, but uh, you're going to give us some insight on how Royal Rumble is put together and you're going to break that yeah. down with us. And I think that's going to be really fascinating for fans who want to know how the sausage is made. Yeah. yeah, that, That's going to be a lot of fun. This, this was a, this was a very, this was a fun one too. Yes, absolutely. Make sure you're leaving those five single five single five star reviews for us, wherever you get your podcasts, especially on Apple. If you send us a review that you write, you'll be entered to win for future contests that we do. Thank you again, everyone, on that. Anything else you'd like to add here, Matt Hardy? Yeah, please do that. Send those reviews because we love getting giving stuff away here at the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. We're whores for them, and that's on a show <laughs> where no whores are allowed. Right. For that. Bingo was his name on. <laughs> the words have been spoken. We'll see you next week right here on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. Adios, amigo. <laughs> I feel strongly that saving money is important. You know, if it's not something we worry about now, boy, we are really going to worry about it later. And I want to help you get out of debt faster and do it with cheaper monthly payments. I'm talking to you if you're in a 30-year loan. Now is the time to take years off of your loan. We're routinely helping our listeners cut 5, 10, even 15 years off their loan. And you can do this without perfect credit, with no money out of pocket. You've just got to start at SaveWithConrad.com.